Hello, and welcome to the Herald's Horn. I'm Cal, and today on this episode, I am joined by co-host Dan to talk about Standard, Regional Championships, KubeCon, and some other random stuff too. Uh, of course, we have our one recurring segment, Product Watch. We have like four bullet points, so you better be ready for that. And after the break, I chat with, well, Dan about Dan. It's the last of our get to know the co-host interview series. And then now that we're done with that, we'll be interviewing lots of other notable Magic the Gathering players, personalities, etc., etc. Thank you so much uh, to Dan, especially for sitting down and talking to me about Magic the Gathering for almost an entire hour today. Really quick, I wanted to throw this in here. Basically, right after Dan and I stopped talking, it was sneakily announced somewhere that Eric Lauer, the head developer of Magic the Gathering for the last several years, and one of the most important developers for the game since Morning Tide, which is crazy, the Magic set Morning Tide. Um, Eric Lauer has retired after an astounding career in Magic game design. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Eric Lauer. Um, you have done a ton to impact this game that I and many others have loved for so long. I'm sure you won't hear this, but um, I hope that you enjoy retiring and whatever else you end up doing, because I'm sure, like many people involved in making magic, you won't be able to sit still. Thank you so much, Eric Lauer. I hope you have a great retirement. Now, onto the show. Hello, you are listening to episode number two of The Herald's Horn. My name is Cal Jones, and today I am joined by the wonderful Dan. That's right. Today, it's just Dan. Say hi, Dan. How are you? Hi, Dan. How are you? You and Emma with this one recurring bit. <laughs> we, need bits. we need bits. I think that we should have recurring bits. We should have recurring bits. Uh, Lexi established last episode that mine would be saying bussin, but I don't think that should be the case. Um, no, I, well, no, I think that she's correct. All right, run the song. <laughs> and welcome back. Episode two of the Herald's Horn, our first with only one co-host, but I'm sure Dan will do enough talking for three people. Isn't that right, Dan? Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I'm known for. I actually had a question about our intro song. Does it have a horn in it? Our intro song does not have a horn in it. However, there is a horn that is played at the beginning. At the beginning of it, right. Separate, okay. As a separate <laughs> soundtrack. I could just like repeat the horn over and over again under the the little song that would be obnoxious right well i just think every time we say the herald's horn there should be the horn sound effect underneath i think i should change the censoring sound from what it currently was to maybe the horn mm, something to think about anyway we must proceed yes we must proceed all right on to our great big news topics for the day um first up uh standard is kind of back i think that's kind of hot standard is kind of back um whether it has to do with um subtle changes that wizards of the coast is making in incentives for stores whether it's because of the extended rotation making people feel better about uh 
owning cards later. I did not, I got it as an aside, I did not know that like Kamigawa was still, I didn't know that the the last Innistrad sets were still standard legal and will not be rotating out until this fall. It. But they, they, yeah, they are still legal. They're so long. I forgot that standard rotation is 16 million years now. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, it makes it a lot easier if you have cards. You can play them for, like, two and a half years or whatever it is now. That is kind of That, that is was always sick. my number one gripe with it. Yeah, is that, like, if you're getting into standard, having a standard deck that costs, like, maybe three or $400 sometimes is a pain in the butt when it's no longer legal in 16 months. Or, like, if you're lucky, if you're playing that for the entire standard rotation, which never would happen. No, exactly. So uh, that that could be a factor. The longer uh, the longer card legality, I know it's a factor for me. Obviously, it's a it's a factor for Dan. Uh, but of course, the biggest reason is because it is a new regional championship season and the uh, qualifier format is standard. So people finally have a reason to play standard again. Uh, standard, you know, once they killed extended long ago was the de facto way to play magic for a while. And then somehow it became modern. I mean, I get why it was modern. Standard kind of went away, especially post COVID, not post, you know. After the lockdowns and all that, Standard kind of went away, and now it's coming back, and I, I hope it's here to stay. I think Magic is infinitely better if people are playing a lot of Standard. I totally agree with you. I, as a person who has been a long-standing Standard lover, it's one of the uh, formats that I've played competitively the most in my lifetime. It's always great when Standard is good. Standard has such a fluctuation between being really good and really bad sometimes. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like the whole of magic is usually better when standard is popping because like it's, you know, it's the modern set. It's what's going on currently in magic. It's cool when stuff goes into modern and or legacy and shake stuff up. I love legacy and vintage as older formats, um, but it's nice to see a cohesive uh, not overly like Oko offensive level uh, powerful format for standard to be. Yeah. And I, I think it really helps right now that the standard format, at least it seems to be very healthy, very fun, very good reviews are coming back. Uh, people are kind of already sick of a domain deck, but also found over the weekend, apparently another deck Bant toxic just kind of eats domains lunch. And so uh, I saw a lot of RCQ winning Bant toxic deck lists i almost i almost bought a bant toxic deck list of my own about last week because i was looking at standard decks i'm trying to play standard i love playing mm -hmm. standard i've missed it and i said oh i can like play infect but in standard interesting and then i was looking at it and i hadn't looked at the rotation new rotation schedule yet and i was like these are just all phyrexia all will be one cards this is like a block constructed deck and surely it will rotate out at the end of the year I will not spend the $300 on this. And now it's like more like $500 because the deck did oh, wow. so well over the weekend that all the cards were more expensive. And now I know that I could play that deck until late 2025. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's only until someone like makes the next deck yes, uh, exactly. with whatever set that comes out that exactly. then trumps that and makes it completely irrelevant. So. Yeah, that's that's the kicker. It's very strong right now, specifically against this big, dirtily four to five color ramp domain deck. It's really good against yeah. that. But also, it's not going to get new pieces unless they give us more infect cards. So, like, this is the ceiling of the exactly, deck. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, like, more general threats, like something like a Shieldred or the um, the six-mana domain exile uh, enchantment. Like, things like that that you can probably invest your money into are probably going to see, like, a lot more play over time. Um, but, yeah, bummer about <laughs> missing the I boat on Phantom Inspector. It but sounds hey, fun. Mono red, decent deck. 
88 bucks in paper, according to mtggoldfish.com. Nice. I know. Exactly. You want to play Phoenix Chick? You want to play Monastery Swift Spear? Are you a Phoenix Chick gamer? No, see, here's the thing about me. I'm a big control gamer mm. and a big combo player, and mm. uh, aggro doesn't make sense to my brain. I'm a bad, I'm a <laughs> aggro player. I just, I cannot get creatures to tap sideways the right way. I miss it up every time. Yeah, you're not about, you're not about that attack lifestyle. I don't, and it gets to the point where someone has blockers on board and my brain just falls apart. I'm like, do I just continue to swing over and over again? Am I supposed to play this like a control player now? I don't know yeah, what to like, do. Oh, yeah, I lose two of my creatures, but I still get three damage through, but then they're ahead on board. Uh, yeah, I'm also bad Yes, that. exactly. That's the kicker. It's like, if they have a Teferi, then, like, well, you have a Teferi, you obviously have won the game. What do I even do now? I'll just concede. So it sounds like Domain is for you. You just attack, you just get to cast Atraxa Grand Unifier and draw five cards and then be on your merry way. That makes sense to me, yes. yes. <laughs> Playing a huge monster, drawing a million cards, just direct power, that makes kill, sense to Kill me. your opponents with your Archangel of Wraths and whatnot. Um, anyways, yeah, like I said, it's the current it's the current RC season. This is drumming up interest once again. I hope the interest sticks. Um, I, I hope it will for me. I'm really interested right now. I hope it stays that way. Um, speaking of regional championships, though... Um, a really big competitive a play announcement over this last week was that uh, starting in with the last regional championship of 2024, regional championship Washington, D.C. I might go. Who knows? Uh, readily easy to get to. They will, instead of being hosted by the event company DreamHack like they have been uh, for the last few years, for better or for ill, uh, by how most people would tell it for ill. Uh, they will now be hosted by a company you may have heard of before, Dan, um, and that is Star City Games. Have you heard of Star City Games? Uh, no, never. It sounds like this company, SEG, that used to run uh, these events, that they really hosted a lot of my favorite events in the past, actually. Yeah, I remember this company, SEG. They had like awesome coverage for these massive GPs, these incredible Amazing, invitational like, events. And commentators. Yeah, like that. <laughs> those like cedric phillips and p sully guys exactly i've heard of them <laughs> exactly they are uh, they, they run a podcast called the receivables or something i don't know but yeah many people say that we're the ripoff of the receivables have you heard that <laughs> no i haven't i can't say that's the thing that i one. just made up but I'm, hopefully <laughs> this like, will like drum up hey, some controversy. Your, uh, hey your your podcast where you chat about recent magic news and then interview someone that reminds me of a very well-produced <laughs> youtube show where people talk about old magic sets <laughs> Hey, we're very well produced. Don't 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 mess with my producer Callahan like that. Yeah, shout out to producer Cal Jones, director <laughs> Cal Jones. Anyways, so yeah, I I am I am pretty hype about this. I know um, a lot of people have been kind of down on SEG post lockdown, and I and I think for good reason. The events aren't what they used to be. The granted, the incentive around events for SEG aren't what they used to be. Um, there's no coverage anymore. They let go a lot of the people who had written competitive content for them for forever. They let go of those people internally too. So um, I know some people, they find it hard to be optimistic about SEG taking over the RCs because, mm. well, at least DreamHack is a company that's run a lot of huge events over the last couple of years. And even if they didn't do the RCs well, they could run a magic event. Here's the thing. SEG still runs really good magic events in my experience. They're just they they just don't have an invitational anymore. So people haven't been showing up to them. 
Yeah, and I think another thing is that, like, as long as these uh, events go well and people show up to them, like, it will continue to give SEG incentive to go back to those old things, like making coverage and making articles and exclusive content and things like that, that, like, were part of uh, just the magic ethos, uh, what, like, five or so years ago. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like my moonshot hope is like, oh, SEG gets to run these RCs. So they're, they're running them for the 24 to 25 season and then also for the 25 to 26 season. So we will have SEG running regional championships through at least mid to late 2026, uh, which is about when Wilds of Eldraine will be rotating out of standard in case you're interested, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that real? I think so. <laughs> Amazing. I'm Googling it. <laughs> It is true. Rotates out September 2026, Wilds of Eldraine, the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Uh, murders at, okay. at, Kar at Karlov Manor. It's not Karlov. Yes, it is Karlov. No. I was going to say, I think so. I was just looking at it. Mar it's, like it. it's not Markov. It's Karlov. No, yeah, it's Karlov. And then uh, also the Spring 2024 set, which is Bloomborough. Those will all be rotating out in, the, in September 2026. And then the next rotation is not until September 2027. So kind of sick, kind of sick. So yeah. at the same time when SCG is done with regional championships, maybe <laughs> we will no longer be able to play this reckless vents I just picked up off my desk in standard. I was going to be so impressed that you could name a car from Wilds of Eldraine. Actually, I also have one in front of me. Uh, up the uh, Beanstalk. <laughs> That's a really, I can name a lot of cards from Wilds of Eldraine. I have loved that set and I also drafted it a lot, but blooming tortoise domain all-star actually it's no longer domain anyways yes scg is going to be hosting these regional championships uh i have high hopes for them they've done a lot of good with events in the past and my hope is since this is like at this point at least a multi-year commitment it will help galvanize scg back into kind of the old be incentivized to support competitive play a lot because they are being incentivized by wizards to support competitive play a lot so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it should be like a good symbiotic relationship. Like you said, it's a big contract. So like, obviously, this is a large monetary investment coming from Wizards. It should hopefully give SCG what they need to get back to that standard. Because like I said, like SCG coverage and SCG uh, events are just like bread and butter magic for me. It's like flabbergasting to me that it's not the world that we live in right now. Yeah, and I, I think that is one of the major changes in the magic landscape that has understandably made a swath of people who have been around for a long time say not even a long time say like five years plus which i guess in the grand scheme of things is a long time but in the grand scheme of a third of the the context of a 30-year game isn't that long you know that's what magic was for a very long time was hopping on your computer on saturday afternoon and you know what you could always do if you had nothing else going on you could watch cedric and peace only at the whatever scg event was going on that weekend you know you could watch i don't know paul Cheon talk to whoever they put in the booth with him that weekend at some gp you know and and read any article you want about any standard or modern deck that had been published that week because there was something written about everything every week on some website you could always find it 
And uh, yeah, exactly. I feel like we're in a space now where, uh, like, like we said, like standard hasn't been interesting in so mm-hmm. long because, like, where where would the interest even come from yep. really right like it has to be player invested because we don't have any incentive for like these professional circuits to be really focusing their attention on standard or anything like that right now and uh yeah i think it's just part of what gives uh not only competitive magic but just like current magic a huge part of its identity when we have more people really uh really like thinking and writing and talking about it more often exactly and that also gives spikes a place to live in the magic ecosystem uh which not to say that spikes shouldn't play other parts of formats that aren't spiky but well, i mean for know, spikes it might not interest them yeah exactly it might not interest them and it's good for them to have a place to play magic the gathering in a way that they enjoy yeah like personally i'm not a very spiky person by nature yeah. i'm not very interested in tournaments and like i'm sort of like you know it doesn't really matter to me what's going on in the competitive scene so much uh i'm very interested in the competitive scenes but like i'm not going to pe- compete in them so like it doesn't matter to me so much on that axis but for people on the opposite end of the spectrum again it's sort of like a directionless time in magic's history and hopefully uh this will help get them some direction again of course this all also uh, it entirely counts on seg doing well which i totally hope they will uh hope to see them bring a great coverage team in and get some eyes on the rcs and i hope it's us you know uh dan cal noted uh 60 card magic commentary duo coming up (laughs) coming to you dan i don't really care about competitive formats (laughs) the gathering (laughs) moderately i don't care about anything in magic anonymous (laughs) (laughs) so yeah if if we get out of this you know the the real pipe my my real pipe dream is that through this we get some route back to something like the seg invitational it's really cool that um nerd rage gaming nrg they've been doing their series in their invitational um over the past couple of years and that has given a great outlet to people who are looking for that for the last couple of years but it's you know it's i think there's something a little bit and apex gaming here in my own local ohio has been doing some mm-hmm. of that too um on a smaller scale there's just some... rock doss been traveling around the country and doing his own exactly uh, coverage, his own of coverage. exactly there's just but you know there's just something it's that, a lot different there's just than something the that company. feels a little bit different about the seg tour you know uh yeah there's just more resources more resources more manpower better technology just like yeah if we can put it in bigger hands it'll probably be better yep exactly all right moving on speaking of huge events and uh managing things well uh the, the one really big thing unfortunately that happened i think over the last two weeks that isn't directly related to like dry magic news uh was the uh recent cubecon fallout for those of you who don't know KubeCon was a really slick event that was put on in Wisconsin the last two years where people got together for the weekend and just jammed cubes. You know, ever a whole bunch of cube lovers got together and did all things cubes. They came up with a really cool main event structure where you got to jam different cubes for the main event. And depending on how you did in those, you got standings in an entire main event. And then there was like a top eight draft or something in a, in a winner of KubeCon. Exciting stuff. Um, but as what are ostensibly passion projects like KubeCon was apparently, um, everything 
uh, fell apart. There was disputes at the top level amongst the people who ran it, um, both over business and over the handling of a sexual harassment claim, um, which, you know, uh, here here at the Herald's Horn, um, I would say that we uh, believe survivors. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was very obvious that nothing around KubeCon was handled well. That was my takeaway from the entire scenario. Um, it was a group of friends doing things uh, passionately, each just doing their own thing, each handling their own business type of thing, and they did everything by eight-person consensus, which is crazy, with no legal overhead, and all of the money went to one person's bank account who just handled the money, and it was a personal bank account of the person who ran it. So uh, now two members of the original team have... Uh, split off with the KubeCon branding and whatnot and are going to continue it on. I don't know what the rest of the team's doing. It's just, it just stinks that this kind of stuff seems to happen a lot in the Magic the Gathering community. Uh, KubeCon was an awesome event. Uh, I wish that the team behind it could have handled their business better, uh, had done better by a, a, a sexual harassment victim who very bravely came forward to speak to it about uh, the judge that they were working under. And then they ended up, you know, having to felt pressured to post about it publicly, which should never be the case because they had done it all anonymously up until that point. And I don't know. It's just bad. Yeah. It's just a really unfortunate situation. Um, you would obviously hope in, in any sort of public gathering scenario that you can uh, ensure the safety of your guests. And uh, it really stinks that, that's not what happened. Um, yeah, it's very unfortunate. Exactly. Ideally, they would have been able to protect their guests, protect their staff, and also, like, handle it well after the fact. And they failed at all three of those things and also failed at running a competent business at the same time. And now a really well, cool when you event describe has, like, their fallen structure. apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you describe their business structure as such, that's not anything that I knew about personally before yes. you just said that to me right now. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can understand there being pitfalls, uh, not to take anything away from the victim of this. That mm -hmm. really sucks, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, very unfortunate, just an unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate happening. Exactly. Um, I hope the shortcomings of several people will not end up depriving the cube community of what was, um, a very bright, uh, part for cube cube is like very up and coming magic the gathering format which feels weird to say um because it has been pretty popular for the last few years at minimum um but now especially with uh, daybreak games pushing vintage cube and other cubes so hard on magic the gathering online wizards posting uh, a lot of different cubes on arena uh, more and more people making their own cubes and being more vocal about it and there's more and more cube content you know we have cube videos on the profs channel on shuffle up and play got ryan overturf writing about cube uh every single week just about for scg feels like it's one of the cool up and coming like casual slash spiky formats um yeah and it would be a shame for that community to lose something so cool uh so soon in the communities i don't want to say community's infancy but you know they had their first major event their, for like, like the last two years. Legs, yeah. So, yeah. So I hope the community can figure something out. Yeah, because it is a very unique uh, sort of event for that sphere and something that feels pretty unifying and pretty uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? I guess like as um, legitimizing in the way that like when we as CDH players see these bigger CDH events happening, like 5Ks at SCGs and things like that's something that feels really legitimizing about the way that you like to play Magic. And yeah, it's very unfortunate uh, in that regard that uh, KubeCon was uh, not what people needed it to be. So yeah, hopefully they can get that together because it is a really awesome way to play Magic. And I hope that more people uh, bring light to that community because it's a really cool one. I agree. And um, everyone listening, you should just go play Vintage Cube on Magic the Gathering online Oh my god, don't get me right started. We could, that, that can be the whole interview. We can, I could talk about that for hours. Interview. Well, Dan, I did want to ask you, um, what have you been excited about recently? What have you been enjoying with Magic the Gathering? You know, like here on the podcast, we have so far pretty much talked about whatever I have written down and bring forward and then asked y'all about your opinions on. But what have you been excited about recently with Magic the Gathering? <laughs> I am actually like sort of coming back to playing Magic after a small hiatus of not really streaming at all for uh, October and November. I'm usually streaming uh, CDH at least two times, sometimes maybe three times a week. So usually playing a ton of Magic. But yeah, took a nice long break. But coming back to it now, I have uh, I've started up my 2024 uh, stats sheet for my CDH playing where I'm going to record it every one of my games. Uh, take a look at different stats about opening hands, uh, seat position, and things like that. It's something that like really keeps me invested in all my games, so I'm really excited about that. I've um, been playing a ton of Cons of Tarkir draft uh, that has been on Arena that has been uh, something that's honestly been consuming me. I have, I'll run like two to three drafts a night uh, if I have the time for it. It's just so incredibly fun. I'm loving that draft format and also had a very nice, hot, long uh, streak on the Vintage Cube as well. It's been, I've just been enjoying the heck out of some limited. You know, Dan, I'm in the exact same boat as you. I talked about this a little bit on the last episode in that, in that regard, but limited, limited is just kind of awesome. It's my favorite way to play, I think, Magic at this point. I love 1v1 Magic, and it's, like, unfortunate that I don't get to play more of it, but uh, being able to play limited on the online clients is a godsend. You play in cons just on Arena? Yes, it recently, uh, they did, like, a cons remastered on Arena that came out a few weeks ago. I think it's still running for the next couple of weeks uh, as we're recording this. Um, but, yes, widely regarded as one of the best limited formats of all time by people who are much smarter than I am. I, I almost understand it. And I think I get where they're coming from because there's so many elements of uh, a good limited set. And I think cons hits it pretty well uh, in that a lot of the really great things about that draft come from the common slots, which like being really heavily weighted towards the rares always feels really bad and really lopsided when you're just in your average draft. Uh, and all of the rares are like kind of intrinsically balanced by the fact that so many of them are three colors or even if they're double pips of the same color it's kind of really hard to get your colors correct in that draft and again to talk about vintage cube again i love that drafting lands is like a very critical part of cons drafting yeah actually like you could very reasonably like pack one pick one a triome or a fetch land out of a lot of packs and nobody would easy nobody would people be upset are smart about, about it too on <laughs> arena i like i noticed that sometimes when i'm like i could be greedy and take this like three mana common and try to wheel this dual land the dual lands do not come back no. people will first pick them a lot of the time on the on uh on the pack picks it's like the one thing i know about vintage cube from watching lsv's channel and stuff a lot and, and jamming it myself too is like you'll never actually be in danger of not having threats or whatever you just have to be mm. able to cast them and mana is very helpful at doing that. 
speaking of Paul Cheon, Paul Cheon's new YouTube channel, I just saw the video that he put up today of him drafting with LSV. Yeah, with LSV and they yeah. have that exact conversation about like they're pretty deep in pack three and LSV is like, take this Shockland. And Cheon is like, no, I, I need, I I need like, cards. We need like four more playables. Yeah. And LSV is like, well, there's five more cards in this yeah, pack. Like, We're gonna it'll have come them. together. You're, you're playing five color. It'll work out. But no, being able to cast your spells is goaded. I agree. Yeah, I like casting my spells. You like casting your spells? Feels good. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, on that note, how about some spells you can cast when you buy them? It's time for the product watch. I was in my mind, like flipping it over. Where is he going with this? What is this a transition to? You got me on that one. Welcome to the one recurring segment we still have on the Herald's Horn podcast, and that is the Product Watch, where we talk about Magic the Gathering products that have been announced or released in the two weeks since we last released an episode of the Herald's Horn. It's always a shocking amount, except for last episode when we had nothing to talk about. <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out, but... Big one. Upcoming this weekend, Ravnica Remastered is finally releasing. It feels like we've been hearing about this set for like six months, probably because we have been. Shocklands are cheap. Buy them. It's the only thing I have to say about this set. Shocklands are like $10 to $14 right now. That is the cheapest they will be for a long time. Buy your Shocklands if you need them. All right, so wait, here's my here's my thing that everyone can clip and then post about on social media. My prediction publicly on uh, one of Emma Partlow's tweets is that I think that shocks will bottom out between three to five dollars. That's crazy. That's a lot lower than they are at this exact second. <laughs> well, set has just released. That's true. People do need their shock lands, mm -hmm. um, but they appear to be so common in these packs and boxes that I feel like, the, and the fact that there's like two to three different printings of them in these boxes. Yes, there's the normal, like normal art with normal art. There is the retro uh, border, which are actually kind of on some of them, the cheapest version right now. And then there's also the borderless treatment. So yeah, right. actually, if you're opening up, especially collector boosters, you have a lot of shots at different shock lands across your packs across your different slots because there's normal there's borderless there's retro granted that's the case for a lot of the rares but still you're gonna open like it does a drive weirdly, the price down yeah though. exactly well i was a little bit of an aside i was just writing about my favorite legendary creatures uh found within the set that i thought were like exciting for normal edh decks and mm -hmm. for almost all of them across the board the retro and borderless are the cheapest ones which is fascinating. Hmm. Like Karlov, that is really interesting, normal yeah. printing of Karlov, eight bucks, retro, five. And it was like hmm. very, very much that way across the set. Probably because you can open more retro and borderless ones in collector boosters than you can normal printings. And these kind hmm. of sets, a lot more people are going to be opening up collector boosters, looking for the cool versions and like serialized cards rather than cracking draft boosters. Yeah, that's fair, because this is not a standard set, That correct? is correct. Yeah, this is just like a premium reprint sets, yeah. cards from all of the Ravnica sets, but... I was wondering if maybe that's like a general consensus now that people don't like old borders, which like, I don't know, there's many, many new magic I'm players. A, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm also yeah, I'm a big a fan of them, but there's enough new magic players where I, I, if you told me that, I could believe it that like 
the average new player is like, no, I don't understand or identify with old borders. I don't well, like them. I think I, I would say, I think there is a, a kernel in me that could admit that retro borders are kind of objectively ugly. I think that's part of their charm. Like yes. the puke-colored, uh, multicolored, like from Invasion sort of era, mm -hmm. those multicolored cards, I live for that puke-colored card. Mm -hmm. I have uh, like proxy Timnan Thrasios with a puke-colored border because I love them so much. Yes, exactly. All of that rocks. I'm a big fan. I'm also a big <laughs> fan of Murder at Karlov Manor. The preview season oh. officially started today. Pre-releases pre on February 2nd. Set comes out February 9th. Um, it seems like a fun set. Investigate as a tent pole mechanic again. Um, I always love investigate being a tent pole mechanic of a set. Weird variants of morph, whatever it's morph. Uh, it's it looks like a magic set. Yeah, yeah, it looks. Um, I don't know. I it doesn't look like it's for me in particular, but it does look fun. I love limited. Uh, so I mean, yeah, everything you're saying is correct. Yeah, morph is it's, cool. It is, it is uh, drawing cards and limited is cool. I think it's one of the first it's one of the first sets they've done in a while that isn't it is very thematic, but it's not themed around a very thematic plane. Like a lot of the really thematic sets are, we've had are like, here is the gothic horror plane. And therefore, mm. since the entire world is gothic horror, so are the cards. Um, This one is like here on Ravnica, we're having a murder mystery and everything is murder mystery, -y, but it's in Ravnica. So, I don't know. I think the theme hasn't really hit for me, but it's hit for a lot of other people. Uh, the thing I'm really looking forward to with this set is that it is our first uh, instance of the Play Booster product. Um, yes, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Yep, the combination, for, for listeners who don't know, for Murder at Karlov Manor, they are rolling together the set booster and the draft booster, essentially creating two main boosters. We'll have the collector booster for all the bougie stuff, and then we'll have the play booster, which is both supposed to be a functional game piece for drafting sealed, you know, the limited formats, while also being a more interesting pack to open up and have like a pleasant pack opening experience where you can get exciting stuff more so than the draft booster was. You know, if you've played Magic for a while and you're just cracking packs, the experience of opening a draft booster is cracking it open counting your commons to see if you got nine of them and therefore a foil or 10 of them and then immediately setting aside to look at your rare and your foil if there is one and then moving on to the next pack is this a standard playable rare or an eternal playable rare okay yes no <laughs> next pack. Uh, it's not a dual land next pack <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so the, 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 this is their combination trying to figure that out uh you can get up to four rares in a pack it's not very likely but it can happen cool uh, it's 14 cards instead of 15 cards, including the ad card and whatnot. And there is also a guaranteed foil. So we no longer have packs that don't have foils in them, which is interesting, I guess. Because the draft boosters this used also, to be like one think, in six. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds yeah. correct. I think this is also the first time that we've had 14 card packs mm -hmm. in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been, I it's been 15 cards. I can't think of like another modern era set. Extremely, extremely long time. Yeah. Well, we, we had the Aftermath set recently, which also had a non-standard number of cards, but it wasn't 14, so. Oh, I missed that one, yep. I guess. It's uh, March of the Machine Aftermath, that one. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I'm I don't know how I feel about this from a limited perspective mm-hmm. with the up to four rares seems like mm-hmm. what I talked about earlier with the cons drafting of like if you have a lot of weight in your rare slot and your packs, uh it makes for really lopsided limited games. Up to four rares is so ambiguous with like where they can be, and I think that's spread out amongst like all of the different like maybe even including that like possible list slot. Yes, so, that is correct. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like it would be hard to get all four of your rares, but even if you're getting two rares in a pack, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, and especially if you're doing like traditional in store within pod drafting, where mm. you all draft, all eight of you draft from the packs, and then all of you play against each other, not versus other people with different card pools, can really that could like really up the power level of the average draft pod. Yes, sick. I think so. Which like. I, I guess I'm not inherently against because limited is an inherently slow format. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. The like the modern limited environment doesn't seem so slow that like I would go as far as say like we need another rare. Exactly. Comments are so good these days, they're just it's all real fast. I'll take it though. I've been I've yeah. been learning to love limited more and more, and hopefully that'll continue with murder at Karlov Manor. The last thing I'm excited to see what happens. Same. The last thing for our product rotch is another secret layer. Can I get some applause, please? Can I get some applause? Oh my god, oh, it's another secret layer. Oh my god. This is a commander deck, raining cats and dogs. Um, it's another secret layer commander deck. Uh these have not historically been a good value, like monetarily, because they're kind of overpriced and they're a pre-con that Wizards makes. So like there's some cool reprints and stuff, but much like all the other ones, the main appeal of this one is that it has some really slick art in it. Specifically, a bunch of double-sided commander staples that have a cat-themed art on the side, on one side, and a dog-themed art on the other side. That's kind of cute. It's kind of quirky. Mm-hmm. I'll <laughs> probably buy the ones I want as singles if I really want one. The biggest reprint they've shown off so far, I believe, is Anointed Procession. That's like a $50 Tokens Matters card, so... Wow. We take those, but yeah, um, I'm honestly surprised we don't see more cats and dog sets because I feel like you could slap a cat or a dog on, they do it on a basic and people go wild for it. Like, why don't they just do that all the time? I don't get it. I agree. I've never heard of the word product fatigue. What's product fatigue? Can you explain it to me? It doesn't exist. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this half of the Herald's Horn. And the second half of the Herald's Horn will be a little bit different this week because, well, I'm just going to be joined by Dan again. But instead of talking about their hatred for Magic the Gathering, we're going to be talking about Dan. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. This is where your sponsor spot could be if you want to reach our audience and helping me pay the bills, helping me pay my co-hosts, you know, all that good stuff. If you're interested at all, reach out to me at editorial at heraldshorn.com. Thanks so much. And welcome back to the second half of the show where I chat with somebody about them, about what they're doing, about Magic the Gathering. You know, it's we're just having a great conversation. I'm picking someone's brain. And much as the last two episodes where I talked to Emma and then talked to Lexi, we are on the final of our co-host team today, and that is Dan, aka Moderately Anonymous. Dan, I asked you how you were doing up top, but how are you doing now? 
I'm doing great. Hello, trumpeters. How are we doing today? Trumpeters, one day we'll figure out a great, a great tag name. I'm just going to keep saying something until we find one. I, I totally forgot. I went back and looked at the Patreon that I set up and haven't really advertised mm -hmm. it all yet that much. Um, and, and by not, it. yeah, exactly. And the one tier I have set up, I just named in the moment trumpeters. So maybe you are already <laughs> winning. Well, here's the thing about that though, is it's very close to trumpers. <laughs> you started saying trumpeters and I was like, is Dan about to make a <laughs> Trump joke right now? Hello, Trump nation. <laughs> <laughs> what is up? My trumpers. <laughs> How we feel about that Iowa primary? <laughs> <laughs> On this 10 days after the anniversary of our favorite day. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Dan, today we are here to talk about you. We're here to pick your brain a little bit so the audience can get to know you a little bit more beyond just the jokes about I make about you hating Magic the Gathering, which... Dan does not hate Magic the Gathering. It's true. Dan, you obviously love Magic the Gathering. How did you first get involved playing Magic the Gathering? Uh, playing, I first got involved with after college. In college, I was a very big fan of drinking what is colloquially known as beer and playing a game that is colloquially known as uh, cribbage. That's what me and my old friends used to do. Uh, it's a great time. I really enjoy playing card games of all variety. So I moved in with these crust punks after college and they did not know how to play cribbage, but they all knew how to play Magic the Gathering. And I was like, card games is card games. So let's do it. Yeah. And uh, I dove into this box of just commons and uncommons and I built myself a Delver of Secrets and Kiln Fiend uh, deck with, uh, I want to say, hmm, Hypersonic Dragon. Do you know that one at the top end? Because you need a big monster to finish out games. I do not know Hypersonic Dragon. Do you know it's rules text off the top of your head? Yes, it is a flying 4-4 for three, and is it mana? You can cast sorceries as though they were instants. Oh, yeah, that's from Return of Ravnica, isn't it? It is. Yeah, my very first set. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so you start, you were a card gamer, and then you became a card gamer. Is that what uh, now, you, now I'm just a regular is gamer. Is that what you would say? Now you're just a regular gamer? Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's fair enough. Uh any any big games on the horizon recently? You've been doing any no. So other here's game? the thing that gaming? people know about me. I do love Magic: The Gathering. I'm not a very big fan of other games in general. Hmm. Uh, I'm not much of like a tabletop gamer. Uh, I'm a very big video gamer. I've been mm -hmm. delving extremely deeply into the world of Fallout 4 recently. I think I've spent roughly 50 hours over the past month playing uh, Fallout 4. I was just thinking about Fallout 4 because I opened up my Steam today to play Stardew Valley with my wife. And uh, Steam was like, here's the most popular game in your library that you've never started up. Fallout 4. And I was like, oh, you're so never right. I've never, I've never played Fallout 4. So true, bestie. Oh, wow. The opening sequence is a real heartbreaker. It's like, it's very emotionally involved. Oh, that maybe I probably like started it up on my Xbox 360 once and then was like, this is too sad for me right now. I'm depressed in high school. <laughs> and then turned it off. Um, but no, highly suggest Fallout 4 if you haven't played it uh, very deeply before. Very rich game, uh, especially as someone who is from the Boston area, being able to like see the actual places and everything. Hey, it's very it's very fun. I lived there before they blew it up with nuclear bombs. 
Exactly. I know what the swan guy gag is about. I don't. Uh, there's like little swan uh, paddling mm-hmm. boats all over the place. Uh, so there is a big swan monster. Someone who is fused with one of the swan boats. That's very funny. Okay. That's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you play a lot of magic, right? You play a lot of other games. You're a big gamer, fellow Nintendo GameCube enjoyer, allegedly, from what I understand. Allegedly, allegedly. yes. Uh, not quite as an illustrious collection as yeah. yourself, but uh, games that I love very near and dear to my heart that I have. I think that's a much more normal way to engo- to engage with the Nintendo GameCube. Like, well, I don't know. I just bought two games for $15 a piece that I was like, I don't really give a shit about these, but I'll throw them. In that's that's anyway. where I'm at now, because I'm trying to get to the complete yeah. North American collection. So now I don't no, want that I at know. all. Uh, all of the games I have, I like own all of the good games. I own like the <laughs> 60 good Nintendo GameCube games. And now there's the other 400 GameCube games. Yeah, there's there's way too many. It's like I collect records and I collect mm-hmm. books and I collect lots of heavy mm-hmm. things and I don't need more heavy collection. Exactly. So you you enjoy Magic the Gathering, you enjoy these other things, but it takes especially like pre a year and a half ago or whatever, I think a lot less people who enjoy Magic the Gathering make the jump to, oh, I should make content about it. How did you make that jump? Because from from what I call, you've kind of been around the block for a little bit. Is that true? Yes, I've been making content on Instagram for probably close to six okay, years now. Yeah, the, the uh, and that the started little, when I started getting more heavily invested in my the collection. little the little known little known Instagram scene. That's just like I, I mean, it's not little known. People are there's a lot of Magic the Gathering players on Instagram, but it's just like. It's been my one blind spot, I think. What goes on over there? I think it is the most forgotten about yeah, space exactly. uh, for Magic fans. Because, like, I have 6,000 followers on Instagram, which I think, like, in terms of, like, all of the places you could have 6,000 followers, it's the least valuable one. <laughs> it is It is so. It is so weird because, like, you can't post links very easily. And, and yeah. I, I don't know. It's a strange. It's a strange platform. Frankly, the uh, the like general user base skews younger and more problematic. There are a lot of thirteen-year-old uh, redditors on Instagram. I've received more hate mail through Instagram than any other platform. Why? Sure. Why did you start creating on Instagram? Like, how did this? How did this happen? Like, you've been doing it um, for a while, but six years ago, what made you say I have got to post about Magic the Gathering on Instagram.com? The very literal thing was that I uh, went through this period where I had a big, large binder full of uh, Commander Playable Rares that were between like 5 and $10. And I was like, I must have enough money in here to buy a Gaius Cradle. And I did. So I sold it all to Card Kingdom, bought a Gaius Cradle, and then I had this awesome Gaius Cradle. And I would just get out my little magnifying glass and I would look at it and appreciate the art. And I really had no one to talk to. But I, that was 100% me. I have the magnifying glass somewhere around here still. Um, but yeah, I just didn't have anyone in my hometown that I was uh, super into magic with. My roommates at the time had sort of grown out of it. I didn't spend a whole lot of time with the LGS. But like, uh, yeah, not enough to like really... Uh, bring down the guy's cradle and just show it off and like have fun with people or whatever. You know, I'd go there like once a week or a couple times a month or something like that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to show off this guy's cradle and I was like, that's what people do on Instagram. So that's what I'll do. That makes a lot of sense. And then you did that for a while. I assume, did you meet Alan through that? I know Alan, yes. Alan got his start over on Instagram.com as well. 
this is a story that I think I told on another podcast, but the way that Alan and I met was that I saw his Instagram account and I thought he was funny and cool. So I started uh, sharing his photos and tagging the FBI and telling them to arrest this man because uh, I thought that was funny. And he DM'd me and he was like, please don't do that. <laughs> Alan, of course, being mental misplay, another notable uh, CEDH streamer. That is deeply funny. That is that is deeply funny to me, Dan. Thank you. I thought it was. Funny I can too. also get why Alan would be like, "Hey, don't do that." <laughs> of course, please yeah, stop sending the FBI thing. tips about where you can find me. <laughs> but how else do you make friends in the digital exactly. age? I question mocking them yeah. online. <laughs> <laughs> they worked for us exactly. No, it's so true. Actually, until everyone stopped mocking me when at like two o'clock in the morning, I posted a tweet that was like. Everyone, please stop making fun of me. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> it always comes In to that point, doesn't history, it? <laughs> now no one talks to me anymore. <laughs> so sensitive. Dude, you have this Instagram thing going. You're eating people like Alan. I assume you like run into Rebel over there too, maybe at some point in time. I know she was on Instagram yeah. for a long time. But Yeah, because Rebel was part of the yeah. ranking. Oh, gosh, that's crazy. Um, But ostensibly eventually this was like a cdh thing for you right was it a cdh kind of account the whole time or no um back in the day it was strictly art analysis okay. i would post pictures of cards and do little uh maybe like 150 to 200 character art analysis pieces on them that's honestly kind of awesome that's what i did for years that's, and years. that's kind of awesome i think that's like an underdone part of magic the gathering content to this point i know there's like one or two people who write about it for uh there was there there was someone writing about it for hipsters of the coast rip i hope they come back soon mm -hmm. and i know there's also someone writing about it now um for commander's herald from time to time i think that's i think that's just underexplored space not not saying that there needs yeah. to be like content about anything or about everything about magic the gathering but for how awesome every single piece pretty much in magic the gathering is i feel like there should be more purposeful thinking about it maybe yeah i think that uh like people like sam from risk yep. studies were like a huge inspiration for me in that kind of regard and yeah i totally i feel the same way i wish more people would spend more time talking about how awesome magic the gathering art is uh because we would definitely see less ai art if that were the truth in my opinion so true have you ever thought about returning to it do you still do it secretly on the side on Instagram, no, not really. I have to start getting back into Instagram because that's where sort of the social media attention is shifting towards. But yeah, I think I'm going to start getting back to it, honestly, because it, it was uh, it was always a fun thing to do. I think I spent a little bit too much time doing it uh, for too mm -hmm. long. Like if I had switched to Twitter earlier, I think I could be making bigger strides at the Makes moment. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun content to do. So now where your specialty lies, where you think about what you do a lot of is competitive edh and then also often normal commander as well streaming and thinking and tweeting and thoughting if you will um big cdh thought leader um dan oh thank um, you it's very very yes, kind of you of course um but how did how did how would we make that jump you know you're you're doing art on instagram and then you said oh it's time to stream cdh actually well, I got to be the beginning of the Panini, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I was in the group chat with uh, Alan Rebel and a bunch of other Instagram content creators, and I want to say uh, it was our buddy Casual Jake, uh, mm -hmm. if you've ever heard of him, person who has stopped streaming uh, 
as a present, but I think Jake was the first one of us to get onto Twitch and start doing uh, some Twitch streaming. And that inspired me and Alan to do the same. Uh, and Alan and I sort of had like a similar trajectory of like really thinking about CDH in particular and how uh, like three or four years ago, like uh, people like hated CDH oh, players so much more than they big do now. Time. I'm sure there's a bunch of people who still feel poorly about us. Um, but yeah, the attitude was like there was never going to be an SCG Con 5K uh, three or four years ago, oh. for sure. LSV would not be mentioning Dockside Extortionist and CDH on his YouTube mm-hmm. channel five years mm-hmm. ago. Um, so, yeah, we both had that similar approach of just like when we have when we play CDH, we have a lot of fun and we can be bringing that to other people. We really want to, like, change the attitude that people have about CDH players just being like uh, pub stompers with their heads up their butts. Uh, are you not a pub stomper who has their head up their butt? I enjoy myself a top four competitive deck very much. <laughs> Played amongst decks of equal power rating. Seven. Well, I don't know. You know, I like wiener jokes too. It's <laughs> it's the full spectrum. <laughs> I think I think that space exists for both because I think still we have sort of that idea of like if you play Tim and Crom, you're a butthead, and I yeah. am a butthead, but I'm a different yeah. kind of butthead. No, that that certainly makes sense. That certainly makes sense. And you're trying to keep that butthead energy alive on stream every time you stream. Yeah, for the most part. I have started streams earlier now. I am changing my schedule so that I'm less of a, a very sleepy boy on stream, complaining about it being past my bedtime. Bad news. It still runs into my bedtime. That's why I'm not on anymore. <laughs> well, get on the daytime stream. That's true. Daytime on. stream. I have a job. Barely. It's, it's recording on, the Herald's Horn. <laughs> we could be doing that while we play. <laughs> An episode of the Herald's Horn while we play CDH. Running that. I really want to get you and Emma and uh, Lexi all on the show That'd at the be, same time, but I feel like that would be hard to schedule. It'd be a schedule. lot of fun. It'd be hard to schedule. As we've already, as, as listeners may come to learn, this show is a little bit hard to schedule as is. That's why we only have Dan today. It's a little bit hard to schedule. We'll see how that goes in the future as as things change. Um, but uh, you know, if Emma moves to the U.S., if that ever happens, um, if Lexi gets a job with a different schedule, if you get a job with a less flexible schedule, if I get a job if with a less schedule, if we all move to the U.K., if we all move to Emma's apartment in the U.K., <laughs> we all pile in. Um, Dan and I can share Harold the couch. HQ. You know, yep, uh, it'll be a great time. But Dan, this this interview is about you. We're talking about you. You can't you can't keep deflecting away from you. Um, I know you're so shocked, so shocked. This is all about you. Um, but actually, I don't have many questions about you. That's on me. That's my bad. But I I did want to pick your brain a little bit, Dan. I know the, a a great uh beyond you know we've talked we've chatted about game cubes. We chat about Magic the Gathering. But also, you're one of the few people whose, like, music taste I trust in that you, like, send Mm -hmm. me something, and I'll just listen to it immediately, where most people who send me things, I'm like, oh, cool. I'll listen to this later, Yeah, I'll listen to this later, and then I do, like, 70% of the time. But you have a 100% hit rate, and um, I know you also play music as well. What what do you like about music, Dan? Is that the most generic question I can ask you? What is it about music that just does it for you? (laughs) It's the notes it's for the me. Notes. I would... 
Um, no, yeah, I'm a lifelong musician, and it's been something that I have uh, continually found to be, like, uh, a very grounding and centering presence uh, in my life and something that has been really fun to focus on as i was growing up uh like a guitar player i was very many like long nights spent in front of my computer reading tabs and trying to learn uh between the buried and me licks and stuff like that ambitious yeah i know (laughs) ambitious dan briggs is a god in my household he's too good good. oh my god he's way too good i i don't even listen to bt band prior to uh him being there i'm not a fan of like alaska and whatever the other one is i don't even remember either I guess that it's like a, I, I know what the art looks like. Is it like. self-titled? No, it's called something else, I think. Gosh, I, I forgot he wasn't on Alaska, too. Yeah, he came on in Colors, and I think that was their third that album. That is correct. It is their, it is their, yeah. it is their third album. Um, But yeah, over the last year, I have been getting into uh, percussion again, too, which has been really great. It's honestly really uh, reinvigorated my love of music. I sort of like fell out with it over the pandemic, just got so heavily... Uh, involved with my depression (laughs) that it sort of just stripped the joy of all of my activities away from me pretty much i did not care about writing or playing music at all uh and yeah getting back into uh, percussion and drumming again has been an awesome force in my life over the past year that makes so much sense i totally relate i totally get it uh music is just awesome being able to play music is awesome um and it's also it's great it's like a great productive mental way to spend your time focusing on something learning things doing something for you is i think a great way that music can be an outlet for people um and Mm. you know i'm glad i'm glad you're back to it i'm trying to get back to it i need to get back to it it can be difficult to do because like i don't know if everyone feels this way but i definitely find it to be a hugely meditative process Mm -hmm. and any meditative process is definitely like it can be a hump getting over that like uncomfortability of just like sitting uh, with yourself in that space, like sitting with yourself in the space going, all right, I'm going to suck at this for a long time until I don't. And once I stop, even when you're yeah, good at exactly. like picking up my guitar now, I'm like, am I really going to sit here and play the same song that I played 10 million times before? Like, I don't really want to. Yeah. But if you want to play something else, you're going to have to suck at it. Bad yeah. news. Well, not completely suck at it. No, it's like a ground level of like, I can sight read yep. anything with exactly. chords and impress people, <laughs> impress which people. is fun. Exactly. <laughs> sight reading. Yeehaw. Uh, one of these days, <laughs> one of these days I need to get back to playing the piano. That's my, that's my number one magic, the gathering community secret that nobody knows about me. I'm going to col- yeah, I didn't know you're collegiate, collegiate level classical pianist. Oh, Until, nice. That's the one instrument I've always exactly. wanted to play. Until I burnt out on it and stopped and I have barely touched a piano mm-hmm. for the last four years. So it's so hard to get back to it. You got to really find that. I have to uh, to sit down with myself and say, all right, all the things that you used to be able to do, you can't do it anymore, but you're just going to do this for the sake of doing it. And it's going to be great. And I, I haven't gotten there. It's also at a certain point, I feel like when you're training with it too, there is a, a part of your brain that stops associating it with the fun mm-hmm. aspect that you like initially started with, where it's just like really just like muscle memory and that rote completion sort of uh, desire that like, yeah, once when, when you can find something that you can like feel a little bit confident in, but also be a little bit sloppy at and like jam with other people and stuff like that, like that really unlocks that sort of. Oh yeah, this is the fun part yeah, about this is actually uh, great. being a musician. Yeah, I do all yeah. the boring stuff so I can do this. Exactly. Well, Dan, thanks for chatting with me for a few moments about me and about you. I'm glad you're getting back into music. I'm glad 
you're here being one of the few remaining consistent CDH streamers. It's great for the space. Um, and you host a great place for everyone to come and watch CDH and have a great time and all that. And I also do have um, a correction um, for both of us. Uh, mm -hmm. After the release of Silent Circus, their, uh, their third studio album, um, they assembled the lineup for their third album. BT Bam assembled the lineup for their third album. Oh, Silent Circus is the, the second one. My bad. Third album, Alaska, uh, did have um, Dan Briggs on it, I believe. Oh. From best I can tell. Well, then I just don't like that yeah, album. Yeah, that's fair. I like I like the like introduction of this of the titular song and then I skip the rest of the album. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard them play Selkie's live once and that's like most yeah, that's, of what I've heard of that yep. album. Well, all right. On our way out, Dan. Anything else to add about you? Uh yeah, find me on Twitch. I'm there every Monday at noon, Wednesday at 8 p.m. and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And uh, go follow me on Twitch. I'm a thought leader or uh, Twitter rather. Thank you for joining me, CEDH thought leader and Harold's Horn co-host. The Harold's Horn. <laughs> well, that was the horn. Well, thank you for joining me, CEDH thought leader and Harold's Horn co-host Dan. Now all of my easy interviews are out of the way. Wish me luck in the future. I refuse to, but good luck anyway. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of The Herald's Horn. I am Cal. I make this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You have no idea how much it means to me that you are willing to sit down and listen to this little passion project of mine. If you want to help me or my co-hosts pay their bills, we have a Patreon. Uh, it's real small. We haven't done much with it yet, but it's going to be linked in the podcast description. We are also looking for sponsors. If you're interested in that, reach out to me at editorial at heraldhorn.com. Special shout out to Dan for sitting down with me this episode. Um, and, you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen so that you can keep getting the words of me and my incredible co-hosts delivered to your ear roughly every other Wednesday. We will see you next time. Trumpeters? Trumpeters? Trumpeters. Sure. Book it. Trumpeters. <laughs>